Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the past. Today, we're excited to have a guest joining us, Noelle Salazar. On this episode, we're going to talk about speakeasies, designer dresses, and historical conservation. Welcome, Noelle. Welcome, Noelle. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. Yes, yeah, so excited to have you. And But before we dive into this intriguing episode, we always have to know, Noelle, what are you drinking today? I mean, I would like to say something very exciting, like a cocktail from my book, or normally I would have maybe a glass of Prosecco, um, but I am coming off of a migraine, so I am Ouch. having some very nice hydrating water. That's a great idea. <laughs> and that's, yes. Yes. Water 24-7. No more migraines. Yes, no, migraines <laughs> yes, are bad. Yes, please. I'm very bad. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Today, I'm having something from my local winery, one that I've visited with Eliza before. It's from Fabioli Cellars, and it has this beautiful label on. I've made pictures, and I will share them on social media when this episode um, airs. And this one is called Cultivator. It's a Zinfandel, and it's kind of a a, a rich uh, red, and it's really yummy. Very happy with it. That sounds yummy. That sounds nice. I am having something that I recently discovered and didn't know existed, and it's called Butter, but it's not the Chardonnay, which I already did Mm -hmm. know existed and enjoyed. Now they have a Cabernet Sauvignon, and it is so good. It's smooth and buttery, and um, (laughs) I've just been really, really happy with it. I'm going to have to look for that one. Yeah, it's good. Well, that sounds way more exciting than my water. (laughs) (laughs) I should have like juice or something. When your yeah. migraine's over then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds Get better good. first. Yeah. Okay. Good plan. Your book, The Roaring Days of Zora Lily, follows Zora Hugh through her dream to become a sought after fashion designer. Is Zora a real person or was she based off of someone you researched? So Zora Lily is a real person, mm. was a real person. Um, but she was not a seamstress or part of fashion in any way, shape, or form um, that I know of. She was my great-great-grandmother. Oh. Um, yeah, so I didn't know her name. I knew my grandmother. Um, I knew my great-grandmother. And I knew my great-grandmother's mother um, had come down from Canada way back when, in the early 1900s, with her husband. And um, they moved to Seattle, and they lived in a logging camp with their eight children wow yeah and they were part of the logging boom that basically built seattle um so i knew that but i never knew her name and i learned her name about five years ago and i just and she was actually illiterate so that kind of had like that's so i feel like that's so sweet and like so typical for that you know Mm -hmm. time but yeah she had no story and like her story was not this story Mm -hmm. at all but i i heard her name and i I thought it was such an amazing name. I can't believe it didn't get passed down right. to the family. I mean, how do you have this fantastic name and not have it passed down? But I just decided she needed a story. And so I kind of took that time period when she would have been there and, and 
went from there. It, I love that. It's a beautiful name and a beautiful tribute in a, yeah. in a way. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Her husband's name was Horatio and that name had to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah, that didn't make it in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he was a lovely man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> So we love talking about the 1920s speakeasies and bootlegging. What drew you to the time period and what were your favorite parts of the research? I mean, I've always loved the time period too. I just find it really intriguing um, for so many reasons. One, it's post the Great War, it's post pandemic. I think though, I mean, I love the fact that it's like the women just like came out mm-hmm. at that time, you know, they were so modern, they were so sassy, they're smoking cigarettes, they're going to clubs, yeah. they're, you know, rouging their knees and, and like basically having the time of their lives. But I think a lot of what makes it intriguing to me is also what came after, which is the depression. It was like this pocket of time mm-hmm. that they just felt this like freedom and were just like not going crazy, but they were having kind of the time of their lives. And then they ended up very buttoned up again. Mm-hmm. And so, I just feel like that pocket of time is so special and I'm so curious about it. And I'd love to delve into it even more just because I just think there's so many more stories that can be told about it. Um, so, yeah, I think um, that's really what draws me to it. I mean, most especially the women. Mm-hmm. And what was your second part of the question? Like, sure. What were your favorite parts of the research? Researching Seattle, my city, was really fun for me because I lived in Seattle in my early 20s and and I have my own sort of relationship with it. But like finding out more about its sort of humble beginnings and the cultures um, and the culture of the city was really, especially like downtown, you know, there was uptown and then there was downtown where Jackson Street was, where a lot of this story takes place and just sort of delving into like the she was works for a wealthy family as a nanny for a while and so there's like this juxtaposition of these dirty little speakeasies <laughs> and then this gl- glamorous beautiful mansion she's working in um and you know learning more about <clears throat> what it was to be uptown and what it was to be downtown and and just these different circles she was being part of it was just really fun to really dig into the music scene and who the musicians were and what the clubs were. And actually, when the story started brewing in downtown Seattle, they had uncovered an old speakeasy. Oh, fun. And so, Yeah, they found the stairwell. It had old faded murals. It had oh, cool. the, the stair rail with the button mm-hmm. underneath. Oh, yeah. And so I was just like, okay, this is this is meant. Like, I this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it was really cool to have that kind of pop up right when I was sort of just starting to dig into it a little bit. Did you get to visit the speakeasy? No, but I have a plan for like my launch week, which is to like go to some of these places and take the pictures because I mentioned like, yeah, right. Like the Smith tower, um, which was our tallest building for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And now it's completely dwarfed by everything else. Um, but it's this beautiful building. Um, and there's a, a speakeasy in it now. Oh, cool. But there were offices in it, which they, kind of have an important there's a little bit of an important part um of the story that takes place there so yeah I would like to just kind of like maybe go to the speakeasy and maybe um check out that that speakeasy with the the um the stairwell and and just kind of pop around different places in Seattle that 
mean something to the story. Oh, I love that. that. And share those pictures online yes. so we can you know, I, oh, draw that absolutely. with you. <laughs> absolutely. So I love that that uh, Zora's part of your story is from your hometown city of uh, Seattle, but you also delved into our local city, uh, Washington, <laughs> D.C. So we are lucky enough to be able to visit the Smithsonian Museums whenever we want. During your research, were you able to visit and study their collections? Um, you are very lucky, mm -hmm. one. Um, I did not go during my research. I have been previously, mm -hmm. and it is one of my favorite spots to visit. Um, the few times I have been to DC, just because, like, I I love movies, mm -hmm. uh, and so getting to see collections. Um, though I one thing I haven't seen that I would love to see is all the costumes Debbie Reynolds wore in Singing oh, in the Rain. Yeah. It's my like all time favorite movie, and I just want to like I want to wear them. Yes, <laughs> I want to dance yes. in them. The raincoat and uh, the little blue <laughs> outfit, like all of it. Um, but no, I unfortunately I did not make it out there. But it definitely like was the thought of wandering through those those massive beautiful halls that kind of like you know helped inspire what what I oh, was doing. Oh yeah. Well, and you you took your inspiration from your memory, so it's like yes, you were able absolutely. to put that on the page. That's really yes. cool. Yeah, it was really fun. What drew you to the conservation of costumes, and what did you learn about the process during your research? I mean, again, I, I love movies and I've often wondered like what happened to that gown? I mean, you see these gorgeous costumes in movies, again, Debbie Reynolds, um, Pretty mm -hmm. Woman, the red dress, yeah. um, but also like the Met Gala or the mm -hmm. Oscars, you mm -hmm. know, these iconic dresses, like where do those go? And you know, they have to, you know, they need to get, sh hopefully didn't get shoved in a closet. Right. So I don't know if you've ever watched the home edit. No. Yes. With, um, and they go into Reese Withers. Yes. Like all the legally blonde yes. costumes. And oh. I'm like, how are those just in your house? Like that seems kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. They're just, so, yeah, I guess they're just there. Like, they're just does there. Does she put them on whenever she wants? Or she <laughs> I mean, I would. <laughs> I, would <too. laughs> I could still fit in them. I would definitely yeah. do it. Um, yeah, so that's always been kind of like, I've always wondered about that. Like, where are these beautiful gowns? I just imagined like these massive rooms with yeah. like drawers mm -hmm. and whatever. But the research part of it, you know, I didn't deep dive into it just because it really is a small part of the story. Um, there were definitely other things I did deep dive into. And so it was more just trying to get those uh, those details, those small details to make my conservators seem authentic, which you know, they, they did have to do like stitching and mounting just to keep the integrity of these costumes. And, you know, they can't be exposed to sunlight and there's certain solutions that have to be used for cleaning depending on the fabric. So there's like definitely like, you know, a catalog of information in my brain that didn't get into the book because you don't want to bore somebody <laughs> with all the particulars. But um, I just I did find it really interesting, you know, that they do have to like use a specific kind of tissue paper to to form like the dresses and costumes that have structure different you mm -hmm. know and layer the tissue paper between layers of fabric and stuff like that i thought it was it was really interesting to to look into it and, and figure out how they're trying to preserve these these bits of our history yeah. it's really fascinating it and i'm glad that they have so that we can see stuff like that you know i know Though, okay, the whole Kim Kardashian bringing oh, out that. No. Oh, I'm still so angry about I'm it. Like, that should not that be on too. skin. Why was that even Wait, allowed to happen? I don't even know what it was. was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. It's infuriating. So, go ahead, Noelle. You tell her what it's about. Um, 
Is it, it was Marilyn's dress, yeah. right? It was Marilyn yeah. Monroe's dress, one of her beautiful, iconic dresses. And they they brought it out and let Kim Kardashian wear it to, was it the Met Gala? I think and so. like, it shouldn't be on somebody's no. skin anymore. It's like, it's falling yeah. apart. It's so delicate. And it's, you know, your skin and your, the chemistry of your skin can affect yes. a fabric. And anyways, yeah, it just shouldn't have happened. No. And also they weren't the same size. Marilyn yes. was smaller, not as curvy in the hips. So she ended up actually ripping the gown like she damaged uh kim damaged it wearing the gown oh. and so it's like it's like okay so can any of us just like walk into a museum and be like can i borrow this artifact well, and take it with me somewhere and then damage it hopefully historians <laughs> yeah, are learning a lesson here not to hopefully yeah. not to lend out something that <laughs> could possibly be damaged yeah. We'll just because out. of who they yeah. are and how much right. money they have or whatever yeah <laughs> right. really sad well thank you so much for sharing all your fascinating answers before we get into the next stage of our show which is one of our favorites three fun facts we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors hi there history books and wine listeners thanks for tuning in to our show I'm one of your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey. Not only am I a podcaster, but I also write sweeping historical romances that will take you back in time and whisk you away on an adventure with action, intrigue, suspense, warring clans, tested loyalties, and love conquering all. My Highland Pride series follows the Cameron clan, in 17th century highlands when scotland was fighting for their independence and honor and family were prized above all highland deception the first novel in the five book series won the national reader's choice award and holt medallion for best first book and best historical the entire Highland Pride series is available in print, ebook, or audio. For more information on how you can be swept away on my hero and heroine's journeys of growth and discovering their destinies in historic Scotland, visit my website at laurieannbailey.com. Hello there, history books and wine lovers. Your host, Eliza Knight, here. As you know, one of the reasons Lori and I started this podcast was our love of wine, history, and books. And guess what? I'm not just a podcast host. I'm an author, too. My latest historical fiction novel, starring Adela Stare, delves into the life of Adela Stare, who served up smiles and love both on and off the stage, with and without her also-famous brother, Fred Astaire, along with a determined young dancer with rags-to-riches dreams. Booklist Reviews says starring Adele Astaire has inviting characters inhabiting a richly described environment. The novel follows two women as they fall in love, survive terrible losses, and eventually find a way to stand on their own two feet. An intriguing piece of historical fiction that will engage readers and bring to light a rapidly changing world through the eyes of an early 20th century star. American Dancer Magazine says that I am a master of my craft, that I have captured Fred Astaire's work ethic, Adele's happy-go-lucky attitude, and the world happenings around their love of dance, rise to international fame, separation, and family lives. 
The reviewer also says, I've expertly intertwined history and fiction to bring to life the forgotten, enchanting performer who captured the American and European hearts before finding love and moving on to a lavish but difficult life that was completely affected by World War II. I am confident that you too will love starring Adele Astaire, and I do hope you enjoy the book. Visit my website, elizanight.com, for more details. And we're back. So, Noelle, why don't you tell us three fun facts you discovered during the research of your book? Okay, three fun (laughs) facts. Um, Well, I think one of the, I don't know if this is a fun fact, I just found it intriguing, a little bit uh, infuriating, but um, I, you know, I feel like there's, there's movies about the 1920s, uh, there's books, you know, they're set in Hollywood and Paris and New York and Chicago and stuff like that. Um, and you, you, you read them and you, you watch them and they give this impression that in these speakeasies, everything was just kind of a free for all and everybody was mixing and it was just all like good. Mm-hmm. But as I was reading into Lee Seattle's scene, um, it really depended on who the the club owner was, how things worked. So if it was a white-owned club, there was definite segregation still happening. Mm. So if you were a person of color, you could be on stage doing your thing, but you couldn't mingle with the Mm. guests. Um, And you could go backstage, you know, to your dressing rooms. But then if it it was a club owned by, you know, a BIPOC person, it was kind of, it was a free for all, you know, it was yeah. definitely more open. Um, and there were, you know, women dressed as men and men dressed as women. And I just found that, I don't know, I thought that was so cool to, to find out and, and, and just learn about the culture a little bit more. Cause again, like I said, like you watch these movies and it just seems like, you know, it was all a free for all. And, and, and it wasn't, um, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't that, um, that easy. Um, but on a, maybe on a more fun note, Um, one of our police officers during that time, Roy Olmsted, he, so he was a like well-known, well-respected police officer. And he was also the most successful bootlegger. Oh my gosh. Of course. (laughs) For like four years, which I just thought was, right? Like he's got all the ins and outs. I just thought that was fantastic. And then related him, another fun fact, his wife, Elise, um, she was from London. She had a radio show that took place in the offices of the Smith Smith Tower. And she would, at, in the evenings, read like bedtime stories and like nursery rhymes to children, obviously. And, um, but she would hide, it was rumored, mm-hmm. she would hide messages <laughs> for bootleggers in oh. the stories so that like they could, they were warned off like the cops or, you know, in that area or whatever. So I thought that was, That's those were fascinating. interesting. That is really facts. cool. Yeah, right? They were so sneaky. <laughs> they were so sneaky. There was a lot of like interesting, just finding out how they brought alcohol in and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was all very interesting, like with the boats and the, you know, just how they hit it all and, and stuff. I thought it was really, yeah. it was fun. We did a, a previous episode on speakeasies and there was, it was really fascinating to find out that um, during the Prohibition era in New York City anyway, there was like, I don't remember the number, but it was really crazy, like 30,000 speakeasies or bars or something. And then today, there's like just two thousand bars or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> so insane. That shows you how much they were definitely <laughs> drinking. Yeah, people were opening up speakeasies in their homes. You know, just yeah, I know. Yes, 
It's insane. Yes. <laughs> like, a, like, like a rave. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like totally. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to share about your book, The Roaring Days of Zora Lily? I think that it's definitely a love letter to Seattle, uh, which I didn't know it was going mm -hmm. to be. But as I, you know, did the research and was delving into her humble beginnings and, and talking about Zora's humble beginnings, you know, there's kind of these parallels between the two, which I thought was really interesting and fun. And um, But yeah, I mean, I think if you don't know a lot about Seattle or you've always been interested in Seattle, there's some just really great, interesting facts that I, I got to include. And um, I think you can definitely sense how much I love the city and, and I think how much the people of Seattle love their city. So, yeah, I think that's what I'd like to share. I think that's awesome. It is. Because also, I mean, one of the things that we love about reading is being able to like escape to another place, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that'll yeah. really show for readers and get to travel there. I've only been to Seattle once and it was for a conference, so I didn't really get to see it. So I do love reading about it in books. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I feel like there's not, I mean, there's not that many books that I find um, that are set in Seattle. And so it was fun to, it's just to get to explore it myself, especially, you know, because I have great love for my city. Yeah. And so, yeah. What's funny is um, I've got your book here. And then I also literally just finished this week, um, Jamie Ford's book, um, The Hotel oh, on the Corner of Bear yeah. and Sweet. Yeah, it's just I, also I was, Seattle. That's I was going to mention that actually what I was saying that I'm like, the only one I could think of is that that book. And right. he actually mentions um, the musician Oscar Holden, uh -huh. who was like the jazz daddy back yeah. in the 20s. And so I he's in my book as yeah, well. That's so funny. I was telling so I'm getting yeah. my Seattle fix. Yeah. <laughs> that, Yay. That, that was one of is one of my all time favorite books. I read it probably more than 10 years ago and it just resonated yeah. with me. Yeah. It's absolutely one of my favorite books. It's so beautiful. So speaking of books, um, we always like to ask um, our authors what they're reading. Well, um, I'm actually on a little, little bit of a, um, not a hiatus, but I'm like, what's my next book to mm -hmm. read? So maybe you should recommend one. Um, I did. I've been like on a, in the rabbit hole of audiobooks, which is just I an absolutely audiobooks. new thing for me. I, I've never been able to read audiobooks. It's unless they were nonfiction. Um, and then the one that broke the seal for me was um, Lessons in oh, Chemistry. Oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. So good. So good. It was so good. Yeah. And then the narration said, there on that was, that was good, one. too. It's Isn't so it fantastic? I'm excited yeah. for the Apple TV show. I hope yes. that it I does it, it all justice. Yeah. Um, then I read uh, Remarkably Bright Creatures, oh, which is that's just, on my list too. It is such a special story. I I want to read it again. I just think it it is so beautiful and interesting and and, and different. And then I also read, let's see, um, The Gunkle and the Celebrants, Ooh, both by Stephen Rowley. Oh my gosh, The Gunkle is hysterical. His humor is just. And he reads the book. Yeah. So it's kind of just, I don't know. It's fantastic. He's a great narrator. Um, and it's just so, like, I don't know if you know what it's about, but um, <laughs> it's a the uncle is gay uncle. <laughs> and he has to take in his niece and nephew for a while, mm -hmm. for like three months. And 
in the beginning, he's like quoting them stuff from Grey Gardens, and you can, they're just like looking at him like he's nuts. And then by the end of it, they're quoting Grey Gardens. Aww. It's just the most, and they're like, you know, they're like 11 or something. They're, it's that's so funny. cute. That is cute. Yeah. And then I read The Celebrants right after, and that's a completely different kind of story. But again, his humor just absolutely shines, and it's again very heartfelt. And um, so those are kind of, I was just like on a roll, like one after the other. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm like, what's next? I need something and I want something light because it's like summer. So I'm trying to find like something that will be happy. Um, so maybe you should recommend something if you know something. Well, I was going to recommend Lessons in Chemistry, but you already read that. <laughs> so. um, I just finished listening to and it's not light, but it was really good. Um, a Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. It's the first book in a oh, series. Yeah. It was really, okay. really good. Um, and then I also just started The Chateau, which is a thriller. So also not light. <laughs> oh, but I do like thrillers. I just finished so... The Chateau. <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. It's pretty good so far. Yeah. Okay. I might have to check that out. <laughs> I do like a thriller. So where can um, your readers and our listeners find you? I am mostly roaming around Instagram these days. Um, so at Noelle... What is my at Noel underscore underscore Salazar? Okay. That's normally where I'm posting and answering messages. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Right, nice. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, this was oh my gosh, awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you. And congratulations on your yes. new book. Thank you. I'm very excited about her. We wish you many sales. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Thanks. <laughs> So we hope you enjoyed today's episode with our special guest, Noelle Salazar. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of the season's lineup. Coming up, we have guest authors Rob Sanborn and Tracy Borman joining us. We'll also have an episode on the place, one of the places on my historical holiday bucket list, Gobekli Tepe, and a special haunted Halloween episode. So stay tuned. <laughs> Can't wait. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers. And happy reading. Happy reading.